All right. Hello and welcome, just a family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, as well as creator and founder of not only just a live TV, but also the Women's Sporting Women Can Network. So today we're going to be talking, talking about a very amazing topic. And our sponsor for today is a Phoenix Identity, who they help men and women find their identity, find their, their purpose, find their passion find at their core who they want and and what they want. And they do relationship, individual and group and family coaching. So go and check them out. Phoenix Identity you can get a fleet uh, clarity session for $97 in the uh, description. So go check that out. Um, so today we're going to be talking about finding your sexual pleasure. And for me, that comes down to many things, and I'm not going to jump into that right now because I love this topic, and we'll just get right into it. But to join me today is Tony. So, Tony, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, Melissa, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I was a high school teacher uh, like 40 years ago. Um, next month, it'll be my 40th anniversary of teaching, and the last 30 have been on the college level. And my mission in life has been to empower women um, that they feel that they can do anything. Because if you think 40 years ago, that's how old I am, we were told that we couldn't do everything or anything. And we had limitations placed on us. We were socialized as women as part of a person rather than a whole person. So as I retire here, I am now certified as a sex therapist. I've done work with groups of women for the last 20 years. And now my mission is to talk about women's pleasure. And unfortunately, you and I were talking a little bit earlier that uh, I find that many women that I encounter, whether they're young college age or my age, more in their 50s, late 50s, um, that they need permission to have pleasure, which I think is bizarre. I don't know. What do you think, Melissa? I agree. I've had a lot of uh, young women in my sphere who've talked about, you know, it, it's almost like it becomes a, you know, the, the act itself becomes a male dominated, right? In, in the act itself, while you're in the midst of the act yourself, they're in control. Um, so very, very male controlled uh, situation or, or a masculine controlled situation, depending on, on your partner. Um, and I do agree that there's a lot of times we will put our partner first, or, you know, I'm a woman, I've been in multiple career choices. One of them was, you know, being, I, I was a sex worker for many years. And in that it, for me, it became all about my partner. It was never about me because that was my job, right? It, was, it wasn't about me. And it caused a, a stigma, right, where it's I wasn't vocal about what I wanted and I wasn't vocal about how it felt or or what I needed or, or what I didn't like or did like. And it, it's become that way, I think, just generally speaking, that we do put aside our own our own pleasure. Right. And you would think that we would be for me, I'm all about myself. Right. <laughs> and that sounds conceited, but it's not. I find pleasure pleasuring my partner. Absolutely, I do. But I also want to find pleasure. And it, there's nothing wrong with being selfish. 
in finding my own pleasure and communicating that. Well, I don't really like that or that that doesn't feel very good. And I, I think we just don't talk about it enough or don't, you know, tell other, are there younger women or, or even just, you know, women our own age that it's okay to say, hey, I don't like that. Or, hey, do you want to just move a little to the left? <laughs> Whatever that looks like. Right. Or, or try that again. <laughs> that felt really good. Right. Yeah. I, you know, one of the most amazing conversations I have is with a friend of mine who is a sex worker out in Nevada, and we compare notes of what my conversations as a sex therapist are and what her conversations as a sex worker are. And when I have those discussions, I said, you know, I find that I spend more time with individual women talking about the obstacles to their own brain um limiting what they try or their possibilities of what they try i work with shame and guilt and all of society's stuff that uh, people are taught about sexuality but my friend actually who has sex acts with others um, actually talks more about the physiology she says it's amazing how many couples she works with that she spends time talking about how the clitoris works or how an orgasm happens. And, um, you know, I thought as a sex therapist, I would talk more about that, but I guess we all have our own specialties and, um, and she talks more about the biological functioning. Yep. Um, it, that's actually very common is, uh, you know, working with couples and finding out and just giving them a safe space to be to have that voice right and say well I do like this or I don't like that or you know having somebody in the background going hey try this right and just giving little tips and pointers it, it also depends your experience right you can have and I'm not saying inexperienced means not as good absolutely not I'm saying inexperienced just means you don't necessarily know the different ways that you can do things, the different ways that you can find pleasure. You can find pleasure yourself. You can find pleasure with a partner. You can find pleasure in multiple different aspects in multiple different ways. There are fetishes and that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> There's fetishes, right? And I have, I know a few people who have kinky fetishes that are embarrassed by them and they hide them. And I'm like, why? If that's what you're into, that's what you're into. You don't, you can find other people who are into similar things and build a relationship through that. Right. And um, I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> you got too excited. I don't know. <laughs> I had my last podcast. Uh, one of my last podcasts was on fetishes. And I asked um, the uh, old sage keeper of the leather library in Indiana, uh, Mama Vi, about, you know, where, you know, what is the history of fetishes and what's normal, what's not normal. And what's normal is consensually shared by two people in a way that does not um, negatively affect your everyday functioning, right? So if, if you have a sexual fetish that actually prevents you from going to work and paying your bills, then it might be problematic and, um, and you need to see somebody, right, to, yeah. to help with that. But we all are turned on by something. Um, you know, so 
I, I asked her, I mean, I'm turned on by the hip bone. There's something about the hip bone and touching the bone on the front of a person that I think is sexy. Some other people think that's really weird. I don't know. Do you have a fetish? I have a few. <laughs> I'm pretty experienced. So I do have a few. Um, I'm, I do like role play at times. I, I think that my, my biggest thing, um, to be honest, is I grew up watching Dirty Dancing. And I think most people in my generation <laughs> grew up watching Dirty Dancing. And if you look back at Dirty Dancing and you look at the scene where um, Jennifer Grey goes into Patrick Swayze's, you know, condo or cabin, and he's topless in the black pants. That has been my favorite moment in history uh, all the time. And so my husband started recent, uh, not recently, last two years, uh, wears black pants to work and a dress shirt. And so he comes home and takes his shirt off and he's still wearing the black pants. And I couldn't realize, I couldn't figure out why that bothered me so much. It's like, inst I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes off. Every time he took his shirt off, I was just like, <gasps> like drooling and foaming at the mouth, just like, come here. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until I watched Dirty Dancing again, that I was like, that's where that comes from and it's it's not even a fetish it's just something that you enjoy and that's going to segue me into my aspect of of finding your sexual pleasure is your mindset right if you have you know watched dirty dancing and you have something of dirty dancing that you find you know particularly sexy then that's you know something that you're interested in if you've been traumatized, right? You may grow up thinking, you know, or even just news and media and the coverages and, you know, rape and, and all of the things that we see on the media, there isn't a lot of positive sexual discussion. It's majority of it is negative. Majority of it is traumatic and toxic and abuse and, and violation and all of that, but it doesn't need to be, right? You saw movies like 50 Shades of Grey, that it's a mindset, right? He was traumatized and created a mindset from it. That's, that's what that movie showcases, right? But it was sensationalized. Now your trauma doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, you could end up enjoying it. They both ended up enjoying it at the end, right? It was just became mm -hmm. a thing. you your trauma doesn't define whether you're entitled to pleasure, your thoughts and beliefs, right? If you've grown up in a certain culture, or a certain religion where, you know, um, I watched a TikTok of a woman who said that um, she had a newly married couple come in and they were of a certain culture or, or a certain religion and they were trying to uh, make a baby through the belly button. Um, mm. Yeah, which is extremely painful and, and really not productive, right? Um, so the thought processes that you have surrounding your sexuality or surrounding your pleasure can really do quite the number as you get older, right? It can create a lack of the ability to orgasm. It can create impotence. Uh, I know quite a few men who struggle with sexual performance or, or even sexual pleasure because of their own childhood traumas. Yeah, I, you know, speaking of traumas, um, 
my my last college class, I'm re, you know I'm retired as of 30 days from now officially, and my last college class in women, gender, sexuality studies, the women were very very interested in learning about sexuality. While we talked about traumas and we talked about domestic violence and all the issues that one would talk about in that class, the topic they were most interested in that they said they've never been introduced to is female pleasure. And that's why I had mentioned it to you today as a possible topic, because um, that's what we ended up talking about the most. And as a professor, I could only go so far in the conversation that I felt comfortable because I was their teacher. Uh, that's why I like being a sex therapist, because we can go uh, in the conversation as far as need be to actually address what they were talking about. And I had to do some research so that way I could present it more objectively to them academically rather than personally. And um, I found out in the last year that women surveyed in the universities found that what they were looking for in a sexual encounter was to not have pain not to have pleasure, not to enjoy sex, not to have intimacy, but to avoid pain. And that's the experience that most college women are having that they're reporting in surveys at this time. So that's why I thought, you know, we need to talk about this. This is a topic that teachers were not allowed to talk about in high school and in college, I have to keep certain boundaries as well. But, um, you know, where do you learn about this? Where did you learn about sex, Melissa? Uh, for me, experience. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was my teacher, was experience, right? And my biggest question to what you just said about those college students is, I, you know, I wonder about the mentality of why that is that question. Why are women more concerned about it being not painful than finding that pleasure? And again, for me, that comes down to media, right? Why is it assumed or, you know, are they assuming that, that it hurts? Are they assuming that, you know, or are they actually experiencing um, discomfort while, while having sexual intercourse? So for me, that would be the, the follow-up question with that. I'd love to interview some people uh, and do like our own survey and be like, why, why is that a question, right? What, I never wondered whether it would hurt, <laughs> you know, it was, um, you control, you can control your body's responses and your body's reactions, right? You can control whether, whether it hurts, you can control whether, you know, it's smooth or, you know, dry. <laughs> I don't want to get into too, too much detail, but, um, you, you can kind of mentally, choose how your body reacts or responds to stimulus and so that would be my question is you know are are we not teaching or is there you know ooh, segue um sue mm -hmm. johansson did you ever watch that show or listen to that show um with sue johansson no. okay mm -hmm. so it was a tv show and a radio show on late night tv um, I don't know if it was in Canada or the U.S. I'm in Canada, so I can't remember which location it was. But she, she would have people call in and talk about sexual topics and ask questions. And she would teach sexuality um, in, in great detail on this show. And 
it was amazing because it brought to light things that people didn't talk about. We're coming into an age where sexuality, you know, sex sells, right? And it has for the last 30 years. But before that, it was full bathing suits. It was, you you know, no, no dresses um, above the knees, no shorts above the knees. We were conditioned to be very closed off sensually as well as sexually, right? And now we're getting into that age where it's becoming more vocal and it's becoming more of the questions and the teachings and the classes. And I think that we need to be finding those those burning questions of, like you said, with that class is, you know, how the focal being the, the no pain. Right, right. I, you know, when I had sex in college, now it was a while ago, but at the same time, I do remember it wasn't the pain. And I don't even remember pain. What I remember is the psychic pain <laughs> in that I was so anxious about not getting pregnant. That was, even though we were using a condom, it just, um, I never could relax and enjoy it because I always had the fear, what if, right? And um, that I don't know how you would solve at that age. You know, it's, it's, you are the child of your parents and you are in a family unit that has certain ideas. And my family unit had the idea that uh, I would be going to hell if that happened, right? So. Mm-hmm. Imagine working on all that Catholic guilt, right? Yep. And uh, and at eighteen, nineteen, it isn't like you're going to go to a therapist to talk about that. You don't know what's normal and what's not normal, and and you know, um, you know, should you be doing this or should you not? Right? Other people don't experience that kind of guilt, and um, they might be worrying about the, you know, their own pleasure or that it not doesn't hurt, right? So each person comes with their own baggage right into each encounter yeah 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 absolutely now my mind's spinning see i'm a, i'm i'm <laughs> I, as soon as i get one thought in my head it's like 50 show up i was thinking you and i should start a podcast all on sex 101 <laughs> all your burning yeah. questions answered let's let's do it <laughs> i i did do one podcast and i thought wow i gotta do this more often the first show of my second season so it was back in January, I decided to start the second season with a podcast where listeners would call in and tell me what their favorite episode was in the first season and why. And I did this phone conversation through the, you know, the soundboard. And I thought this was really cool. This was like a real radio show. I liked it. And, um, you know, one of my mentors many, many years ago when I was young was Dr. Ruth Westheimer, right? She was on the radio and answering questions. And here she was, this older lady with this thick Austrian-German accent. And, um, and I thought, why are people calling in to ask this old lady questions? Well, now I know why, because she was an expert and her answers were blunt to the point and explicit, and I would tune into this late at night. It was a late night radio show to hear about how sex is done, right? Yep. I love that. And that that actually sounds like Sue Johansson. Um, I'm just trying to. So she is a Canadian writer. Um, and look, like, oh, it was the Sunday night sex show. Okay. With Sue Johansson. Yeah. And yeah, so Canadian, right? 
But that would be a, an, an, a very interesting idea is to host a podcast where people can call in and be like, hey, I have a question about this or I want to know about this, right? And just give people that freedom to ask the questions where there's no judgment, right? You and I both know, doesn't matter your fetish, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter, you know, what you're into, what you're not into, what your preference is, what your preference is, none of that matters, right? You have to honor yourself. Um, I have very interesting opinions about sexuality and, and interesting opinions about, um, you know, what we're attracted to or who we're attracted to and, and whether or not we should or shouldn't do stuff like that. Nothing judgmental. Um, but maybe a little bit of outside the box thinking on stuff like that, right? Um, I know that a family member came up to me when I was um, not that long ago and told me they had a fetish and told me what their fetish was. And it was very, there was a lot of shame and guilt with that fetish. And I said, why? right? I don't judge you. You're, you know, let's figure it out. Let's see how you can get involved with, they were younger. So like, let's see how you can get involved without being sexual for now. Um, but going through that and just giving people that opportunity. So finding your sexual pleasure to me isn't, it, it is very individualistic. Your, your sexual partner or you as a sexual partner should be invested in priority yourself obviously priority yourself right if something hurts or it doesn't feel good you need to be able to vocalize that right but finding a partner not that it doesn't hurt but a partner who actually cares about your sexual pleasure and you theirs right mm -hmm. um I had an experience once um not to get too detailed but I had an experience once and I had issues um with my own pleasure uh for many years and didn't happen for many years because it was again all about other people and so without uh, assistance <laughs> it wouldn't happen and I found that I had one experience where I was so invested in my partner's pleasure that I found pleasure with no assistance mm. and it was amazing right it was one of the most mind-blowing ones in my life <laughs> but, right. but again it was there was a freedom in it I I wasn't stuck in my head I wasn't worried about whether it would hurt I wasn't worried about their pleasure and my pleasure because we had a very cohesive relationship and it just it flowed right and I think when we get out of our head and stop stop focusing on all of the what ifs or the, you know, as long as we take precautions, absolutely, right? Going into any sexual endeavor or any sexual, you know, uh, situation, you should have precautions in place and, and safeguards because you can never be too careful on, you know, STDs and unplanned pregnancies and all of the things that go on, right? So just just making yourself aware and, and not having to worry about those things because you're taking those steps already. Right. So, you know, what you reminded me of is that, you know, while I do work with a lot of people with some of the basic obstacles to uh, pleasure so that's in your head, your mindset, such as guilt and shame, I also enjoy working with people who have been sexual, have been uh, pleasured in many different ways, but are looking for something that goes, they know that there's more 
and, and, and helping individuals discover how to meld their spirituality with their sexuality. When you were talking about your mind being blown, like a tantric sex um, kind of encounter, but I'm talking about those orgasms that one has where you just cry, where you just release, where you're just vulnerable, where you feel connected not only to your partner, but something higher, something yep. just yep. an energy field, no matter what your religious background is, that um, you've reached something that felt divine. And that is a beautiful way to work with uh, individuals as well that I really enjoy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes down to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in, in your, um, in your opinion, but I think that again, comes down to getting out of your own head, right. And just being one at, and again, no matter your spiritual preference or beliefs, being one with yourself, right. Being one with that energy and the act itself and not, not in your head worrying about this or that, or your partner or yourself. It's just, feeling what's actually being like happening and being present in that moment. And it, it is definitely a game changer when you can get to that point where nothing else matters. You're not thinking of anything else. You're not, you know, it, it the focus is exactly and entirely on feeling. And that's, right. that's exceptional. Yeah. When your mind is not a gerber wheel, right? You don't have monkey mind and you're not making a laundry list or a, um, a grocery list in your head, or you're not thinking anymore of, okay, my left elbow goes over here and then I do this. And then um, playing, when you're totally sexual out twisters. of your head, <laughs> yeah, sexual twister. Absolutely. No, I, um, I definitely agree. I, we, people don't talk about this enough and you look at can't remember who I was talking about or talking to, but um, we're getting younger and younger, right? We think back to our, our first sexual experiences with pleasure. Um, I felt pleasure very young, very young. Now that's not to say anybody should be going anywhere near anybody who's young, but I was very young when, when I started experiencing my own pleasure. And I didn't end up, you know, doing the do until I was in my mid teens. So, <laughs> so I did wait, but we're not, we're not talking about it. it's becoming earlier and earlier, right? The kids are experimenting. They're getting, you know, sex parties and all of these things that are happening younger and younger. They don't understand what it actually, you know, the feeling it's, you know, not the peer pressure. It's not the, you know, pressure of your partner. It's not the pressure of society or everybody's doing it or being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's, we should be doing it for the pleasure of it. Right. And, and that's the thing, like, don't get me wrong. I I'm not saying, you know, sex before marriage or, or anything. I'm, it, I'm, I don't have an opinion on that because I don't really care, but um, when it comes to it is becoming earlier and earlier that children are experiencing sex. And I don't think they have a clue on what it's supposed to feel like or what it's supposed to be like. Right. You know, it's um, as someone who has taught not just women's studies, but history for a long time, I look at colonial times when someone 
reached puberty at 13, 14 years old, and the average marrying age was 13, 14 years old. So you would hit puberty where your body's doing different things and telling you you want to be sexual, and you had permission to be sexual because you were marrying age. And now through steroids and in food and all sorts of things, kids are hitting puberty at eight, nine years old. And our average marrying age is 25, 26 years old. So we're telling people they need from when their bodies start telling them they want to be sexual at eight, nine years old. And that you have to wait till marriage to have sex at 26 years old. That's an awful long time to be abstinent. So if we don't talk about sex with children, they're going to do what feels good. And with that, they don't have the emotional maturity, the physical maturity, and, and they become um, susceptible to older people manipulating them because of these feelings that they have, right? At the same time, um, teenagers and uh, young 20s, I mean, the whole idea of what a healthy sexual relationship looks like after the age of consent, okay? Because I do not advocate at all um, that children are sexual other than with themselves, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't talk about that, right? And, and children, like uh, parents are uncomfortable talking about masturbation and what's healthy and what's not healthy. And we just leave children from age eight to 21, I don't know, 18, without any information. I mean, I think in high school for a year, they, they tell you where the parts are. And maybe in like fifth grade when they're 10, they tell you where the parts are. But I don't know about you, Melissa, but when I saw that diagram of what a man looks like and what a female looks like, I'd look down and that's not what I look like. Yeah. right? That diagram with the ovaries and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the first time I saw a male naked, now for me, it was 18. Um, I was like, he does not look anything like that diagram. Like I was blown away. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I have been absolutely open and honest with my children. My older kids know um, my past history. I'm, I'm not um, afraid of sharing them. I, I would rather them know the things that I've done or not everything that I've done, but I would rather them know that number one, I know more than they do. And I know that more than their friends do, right? I, I have more experience. So if they have a question that they need to ask, or if they're going through something and they want an opinion of somebody who knows, they have full freedom to come to me with absolutely anything. They're not going to get judged. They're not going to get yelled at or ridiculed or rejected. They can come to me with absolutely anything and say, hey, mom, you know, I've experienced this and, it, and you know, can, can you help me or can you tell me what to do? And I'd be like, absolutely, let's talk, right? And, and there's that confidence and that, that connection. And I've done that since they were early teens because I would rather them learn from me or hear what I have to tell them in an open, honest communication, then go out and trust their friends who are having parties and <clears throat> not using protection, right? I telling my, my older one that, you know, the pullout method doesn't work. <laughs> I'm just like, 
like I believed that at one time by the way (laughs) uh and they believed it too and I'm just like nope (laughs) where do you think you came from (laughs) (laughs) um but it is it's it's having those open and honest uh conversations but our generation I want to say the last, what is it, 50 to 100 years where we've become, and, and I'm going to say the word because only I, I don't know another word to replace it with, is we've become prudish and very standoffish with any and all things sexual. That's not conductive to creating a happy, healthy adulthood, right? You look at children, right? And you got me thinking about a whole nother topic, and I'm going to segue for a very quick second, is, you know, if years ago you at 13, 14, you were marrying age because you are now technically classified as an adult. Now we wait until 18, 21, you're in school for all that time, right? Could you imagine if we changed the school system, if we changed the requirements of school and instead of having it, you know, that many years have life experience, right? Go out and get a job, meet people, right? I, I don't know how many people I've met, and I'd love to do a poll on this. So for anybody catching this replay or, or watching um, the, the show, message me and let me know, or even comment on this video or this uh, podcast, but how many of you had trauma in high school? How many of you were traumatized in high school? Could you imagine if you reached, let's say by age 12, you were done school? right? And you ended up going to work with your parents' help and right and, you know, whatever, getting to that point where you're now finding your independence, you're finding out who you are, you're kind of removing the the every day at school being bullied or being traumatized by your peers or rejected and ridiculed. And then you go into the world and you get a job and it's not like that, right? How many people have experienced horrendous things in high school and junior high, and then all of a sudden you're done, right? And life changes again. Wow. And you have me thinking about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace and how, you know, are we taught about that? We learn that in school. Do we? We do. We learn that in school. If you think about it, right, you look at somebody who's been homeschooled, right? They're not harassing their classmates. They go into a job. They're not harassing. And I'm not saying all the time, but they go to work. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily harassing anybody, right? You think of, um, okay, so I have uh, three that I've birthed, but I have four children. And I can guarantee that the oldest and the two youngest, they have been sweet as pie, respectful. They've been healthy and happy and, you know, outgoing. And then the minute they go to preschool or kindergarten, there's the attitude. Soon as they get around all the other kids, there's the attitude. Now, they absolutely need to learn social skills, right? But what if we changed the way they learned social skills? What if we changed Mm. it where you're not all in one classroom, you're not all learning the same lessons, you're not all doing the same thing, but how much trauma, kids have it hard from, we have it worse as children than we do as adults. We do because that's, you know, kids are mean, but that's peer pressure. That's high school, 
right? Everybody tells you, oh, high school was either great or horrible, but that was just high school, right? right. It's not. Right. I understand what you're saying now. I, I thought you were saying that um, that part of the curriculum is learning about sexual harassment and proper behavior. But what you were saying was that harassment starts and bullying starts from minute one. And I, I definitely hear you. Now, I was lucky enough, I went to an elementary school that was what they call a laboratory school connected to a university. And we all learned at our own speed with different topics, right? Yep. So when I see an elementary school or a junior high today where everyone is lockstep in the same curriculum, I feel the same way. And to bridge it back to sexuality and pleasure, I mean, different kids are going to hit puberty at different ages. And what topic might be appropriate for one young male student who is starting to have secondary sex glands, et cetera, might not be appropriate for 18 other kids in his class because they're not experiencing it. Yeah. But um, yeah, individualized instruction is one solution to the idea that sex ed is kind of absent. And just, again, open communication, right? We try to shelter our children. We try to, you know, sexual pleasure is just that, sexual pleasure. If you don't teach them and you don't talk to them about it, they're going to figure it out on their own. And then they're going to do stupid shit. <laughs> Pardon my language, but they're going to do stupid shit. Like, that that was always my concern, right? If, if my kids wanted to try drinking or if they wanted to try drugs, right? Obviously... I'd rather you not, right? And I'm going to promote that you don't. I don't do either. I have. <laughs> I have. I am not innocent by any means. But at the same time, you know, if you want to try pop for the sake for the first time, come home. Right? You and your friends come here as long as I'm here to to keep an eye on you, right? You want to get drunk and see what it's all about, fine, but you need to be here. You give me your keys, you're here. It's allowing them to learn on their own, but safely, right? And when we're not talking about sexual pleasure and we're not talking about sexuality and what that means as an individual, we're not teaching them the safety of it. We just say, oh, don't do it. That's not appropriate for you. You're too young. We're not giving them the means to make those decisions because youth at 12 years old, you wanna make your own decisions. That's what they crave at, at, at preteens and teens crave the independence to make their own decisions. They're old enough to reproduce, right? Their, their reproductive glands are working by that point. Now, are they mature enough? Absolutely not, but I think we keep them stuck. Right, and where are they learning this? Yeah. They're going to the internet. And when you're on the internet looking to learn about sex, Many times you're seeing porn and I have nothing against porn, but I do have something uh, against children watching porn because I think porn is an extreme of, well, I think a lot of the het porn is very misogynistic and sexist, right? And I think um, some of the other porn is the extremes of behavior you know, that they, they need to make another film that's more extreme than the last one. And, um, and I don't think that's a place for one-on-one -on -one sex for a nine-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, where else? Well, there's all sorts of sexual acts and people that are, um, a, what do you call it, a fake profile that's actually an adult who's, you know, searching for a child. Well, and, you know, then the next thing you know, I hear so many parents upset that their young girls are sexting yep. because somebody asked for it and they've never had a conversation with their child about it. How many kids? Okay, so I'm in Canada, and I'm going to tell you two stories about Canadian kids really quickly that have happened over the last three to six months. There was a young boy who met another person online who they thought was a child. Um, they asked for a nude or a video. It was sent, and they started blackmailing him. And mm -hmm. they started blackmailing him with the video. Or, or, you know, I'm going to send it to all your family and friends. He cleared out his bank account, paid whatever he could. And within three hours, he had committed suicide because he was terrified, right? There is another girl uh, or a girl in Canada who very recently, excuse me, is all over the news right now. Very recently, I actually shared the, the um, poster for her. She went missing and she went missing from Canada. And I think it was nine or 10 days later, they actually found her in the U.S. with a 41-year-old 40, man who had lured her and attacked her. Mm. They found her, but what did she have to go through? 13 years old. And she was lured, raped, you name it, um, and taken across state lines. Right. So, I, you know, I think what we're saying here is that the uh, absence of sex education is, is uh, hurtful, you know, um, potentially dangerous for one's life. Um, uh, for most of us who are adults, we still have residual guilt, shame that we're dealing with. Uh, we're still not emphasizing our pleasure for myself, I became a workaholic and I just avoided um, sexual interactions. I mean, I was with someone, but that wasn't the most important thing. I would avoid intimacy, avoid sex. And that's probably the number one type of client I have. I guess we kind of attract people like ourselves, workaholic professional women that have put sexuality on a shelf to achieve. It's easy that way, right? You just work hard and intimacy and passion, all those things that are hard because you need to make yourself vulnerable um, are the things that we work on never or last. Yep. And sexual pleasure is a release. You have no idea the health benefits, the health benefits, not only to your body, but your mentality, your energy, your, your entire being benefits from sexual pleasure. Um, and not a lot of people understand that. Right. Yeah. So for everybody watching, finding your sexual pleasure is exceptionally important, whichever way that looks for you. Um, now there are. <sighs> There are certain situations where the things that you crave or the things that you find sexy or the things that aren't, they're not going to be appropriate. Um, that you, that's different. Um, but again, finding your even sexual pleasure within yourself, right? And, and no outside sources 
that as, you know, early, early young children, right? Being able to pleasure yourself and knowing the safe way of doing that. And yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tony, for joining me today. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we get going? No, I really, I just wanted to say, I really appreciate um, being on and being a part of your program and having this conversation, because I think it's a very important conversation that no one should put their own sexual pleasure, their own sexual identity on a shelf and, um, and not really enjoy what life has to offer. Yeah, absolutely. We we're all sexual beings, you know, even, even people who are asexual, right. Or there's still something I, I'm assuming, I don't know enough about that one. So I'll get back to you on that one. Cause I don't know enough about that one, but um, for most people, sexual pleasure is just that sexual pleasure. It is another way. It's like having a good piece of chocolate cake or, you know, it's the endorphins of getting a hug from somebody. There are different various ways that we find pleasure in our day-to-day -day and making sure that we as individuals identify what our pleasure receptors are and where we can find those and making sure that they happen, whether they're sexual, food, you know, biological nature, whatever it is, find those for yourself because we deserve to be happy. We deserve to be healthy and we deserve to be aware. Um, so always put yourself first and, and get get that learned okay so for anybody watching please reach out to either tony or myself if you have any questions um both of our information are in the link uh are linked in the description of this video again tony thank you so much for joining me today thank you all right just a family this has been your episode if you'd like to be a guest speaker or if you would like to see a topic featured on the show please reach out to us at justalivetv.com like and follow us on our social platforms you can find us at the handle just alive tv on majority of them um like share subscribe to our newsletter and i'm your host melissa crutchler and i will see all of you on the next episode bye